0: It's another show, just another beer show, another show by ear. It's another show, just another beer show. Oh gosh, it's another beer show. It's another show, just another beer show, just another show by ear. Hello and welcome back to Beer Interesting. We've had a little bit of a hiatus between the previous episode and this one. Um, It's a sad story. I actually recorded this episode um, on my field recorder in a hotel room in Plymouth. Um, But little did I know my uh, field recorder died halfway through the recording. So I was kind of just sipping on a beer, talking into the abyss for a, a good 20 minutes or so. So I'm choosing to refer to that now as the Lost Plymouth Tapes and we're going to put that episode behind us and crack on with this. Uh, So without further ado, I'm going to open a beautiful bottle of Duvel. I'm sure you can hear the effervescence whispering away in the glass there. That's one of the hallmarks of this beer style that we'll get into a little bit later on. So you may have gathered this episode is about Belgian Golden Strong Ale, uh, one of my favourite styles of beer. And um, this beer style really does come down to Duval as the kind of the, the epitome um, and the, the archetype of the style, uh, for sure. So Duvel is what I'm drinking, but if you have a another example, like maybe a Delirium Tremens or similar, that would also be a great choice. So, where did the story of Duvel begin? Um, the Mortgat Brewery, who brew Duvel, originates back to 1871, and... Um, where a lot of um, breweries uh, were brewing sort of um, similar styles of beer. Um, This was in in Bridonk in Belgium and there was over 4,000 breweries in business at the time and they were brewing sort of farmhouse ales, dark sort of brown farmhouse ales, very rustic. Um, And when the the uh, progenitor of this uh, brewery, Jan-Leonard Mortgat, handed over brewing operations to his sons, Albert and Victor, around uh, about the turn of the 20th century, I believe. Um, these two tried to sort of reinvent and, and reinvigorate the brand. Um, so they, they brewed a, a Victory Ale in 1918 um, to celebrate the end of the First World War. And um, they also did a little bit of sort of industrial espionage, which happened a lot in in brewing over the last couple of hundred years. You know, we had um, we had um, the uh, son of the great Spartan brewmaster Gabriel Seidelmeyer and uh, Andre from Vienna, traveling to London to sort of learn uh, brewing trade secrets at Barclay Perkins, the largest brewery in the world at the time, and to um, try and figure out British malting techniques that they could co-opt into creating their sort of pale malts for the first pale lagers um, in the early uh, to mid-19th century. And much the same in the early to mid-20th century, uh, the sons of Jan Leonard Mortgat travelled to the UK to try and figure out um, what was the next hot thing at the time, um, which was British yeast. Um, so, whether you listen to Duvel's story on their website or whether you listen to some brewing historians, you might get slightly different stories. But either they travelled and and through much toil managed to secure a sample of McEwen's yeast drags from the bottle, from the bottom of a bottle of McEwen's, or McEwen's beer was just being imported into Belgium and it was rather easy for them to get their hands on a sample. But they um, got this yeast, this Scottish ale yeast from the McEwans bottle, which of course turned out to be not one strain of yeast, but somewhere between 10 and 20 different strains of yeast, um, working in tandem. And through the help of the famous Belgian brewing scientist uh, Jean de Clerc, they isolated out this specific strain from the bottle dregs which they thought had the most potential to brew with. And this strain is still used in in Duvel today and has formed a a really central part of their flavor profile over the last uh, kind of 60 years or so. So they implemented this yeast in their Victory Ale which was actually a dark beer. It was a, a sort of strong dark ale. I imagine it to be similar to a Belgian double um, or, or maybe leaning into Belgian quadruple te- uh, territory, Belgian Dark Strong Ale. Um, and um, all that we needed then was for Victory Ale to get its sort of rebrand um, and for the name to stick. And the story goes that in 1923, uh, they were having a tasting session of this beer and a local shoemaker tried it and uh, sort of spontaneously exclaimed, «Dit uh, is in echt du evil!» and I have to apologise to any of my um, Belgian or Dutch friends that are listening for my pronunciation, um, but I believe that means sort of this this is really the devil, you know, this beer is really the devil. And uh, the name, of course, stuck um, because of the deceptive uh, alcohol level in the beer, and um, this kind of um, cemented the brand of, of Duvel, the devil, Um, as this very iconic strong Belgian ale. Um, In 1960, then, Mortgat actually invented their own glass to showcase the um, sort of voluptuous, foamy head of the beer and to sort of focus the aroma. And this glass is, of course, the Belgian tulip glass, which is now widely used today by many Belgian breweries and widely used in... Um, craft brewing and craft beer as a, as a tasting glass and has become very iconic. So that was actually created by Mortgat in, in 1964 Duval. Uh, the only sticking point then I think in terms of the history of this beer is that uh, if you're drinking along with me or if you know the beer you'll be aware that it's a, a brilliant pale white beer and um, the perceptive amongst you may have noticed that The beer I've been talking about so far is a dark ale. Um, So what happened is really the massive boom of popularity uh, in the 1970s throughout Europe and the UK of sort of um, widely produced commercial pale lagers um, inspired by a sort of German Pilsner style but a slightly watered-down, cheaper, adjunct-based pale European lager um, was just becoming the most widely drunk, most popular beer um, in almost every country and Mortgat felt the need to try and keep up with this trend um, and the obvious uh, solution was to make the devil into a pale beer instead of a, a dark ale. So Again, they enlisted the now very wizened and, and aged uh, brewing scientist, Jean de Clerc, who helped them originally isolate this strain of yeast, and they enlisted his help to figure out how they could make this beer gold um, uh, while still retaining that sort of high alcohol level that it was known for, the, the devilishly high at 0.5% ABV. Ah, delicious. So they were malting on site at their brewery at that stage a few breweries still do have their own maltings but Murtgat were malting their own grain and they put a lot of research in to figure out how to make a very 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 pale Pilsner malt um, so that they could create a very pale beer but with a massive malt content too to get the alcohol that they needed, that sort of very high gravity work that they were aiming for um, one addition to the brewing process um, was the addition of dextrose, um, which is just a very fermentable sugar that um, brewers can add uh, to increase the alcohol of the beer without adding colour or or body. You would think, uh, maybe slightly counterintuitively, that the addition of sugars in brewing would sweeten the beer, but it's actually the opposite. The, um, the very simple sugars like dextrose or, or glucose will ferment out completely in the fermentation process, giving us alcohol and ABV points, but with very little other contribution in terms of flavor or body. Um, Whereas if we tried to obtain that high gravity, high alcohol purely with malt, purely with grain, we would um, have to use such a quantity of grain that we would get a lot of flavour contribution, a darker colour, much more body from the, the proteins and the, the starches and the polysaccharides that are coming from the grain as well. Um, so really the, the answer in a lot of Belgian brewing traditions is to use additions of sugar or sugar syrup of various kinds and preparations, which um, just gives us a, a simple contribution of, of alcohol, Um, which actually helps to dry out the beer, you know. It's a simple alcohol as opposed to a complex sort of flavoured, full-bodied alcohol contribution. So the brewing process then continues. We've got our our very pale Pilsner malt, which was kind of groundbreaking at the time with our our dextrose to increase alcohol. Hops then. Hops are very important in this beer. Um, One of the main style comparisons between Um, similar styles here would be with with triple the sort of Belgian Trappist or Abbey style ale Um, similar ABV, similar colour in general the Golden Strong Ale and Duval in in particular should actually be paler it doesn't quite have the honey gold tones of a triple Um, it's it's much drier, crisper and paler almost comparable to a German Pils and in the same vein uh, hops kind of play a much more important role Um, whereas triple finds balance for the malt sweetness from spicy uh, phenolic yeast character. The Belgian Golden Strong Ale leans much more on IBU and bitterness from the hops to balance the uh, sweetness of the malt base. The hops in question tend to be um, Sazer type hops from Czech um, or Styrian Goldings sort of um european golden hops which can give lightly sort of peppery um or um grassy or sometimes hay uh, lemon peel these kind of um flavor notes um with a nice sort of refined and elegant bitterness um that sort of noble hop bitterness that we know and love in a lot of uh european lager beers uh, really just carry through into golden strong ale Um, The beer is fermented then, um, pretty hot, it's a pretty vigorous warm fermentation. Um, It can top out kind of 25, 26 degrees C in that kind of upper 70s Fahrenheit range. Um, And from this warm fermentation with that Scottish yeast strain, we get um, a very fruity uh, sort of ester character in the beer, lots of sort of citrus peel notes. Um, which back up the hop flavour of the Sazer and Goldings hops. Um, Another hallmark of this beer which probably rises from this particular yeast strain and the the very hot fermentation process is that it's very well attenuated, um, meaning a lot of the sugars from the malt are um, converted into alcohol. The beer finish is very very dry Um, About 90% of the sugars are attenuated in fermentation, um, even more than 90% in some cases. So we get a very, very dry beer with low residual sweetness, a sort of crisp perception, um, and all of that is aided by a lagering process. You wouldn't really think um, that this beer has been lagered or stored or cold-conditioned, whatever you want to call it, but there is actually a two-stage lagering process. It says on the label here of the bottle, slow brewed to perfection, and it is a a 90-day process start to finish. Um, On the back of the label they say each duvel gets to ripen no less than two months in re-fermentation cellars, um, which is a sort of nice, um, colourful way of saying that the beer is lagered for three weeks in tank, much like any, any lager beer would be. Um, at below freezing temperatures, so really cold. Um, this allows a sort of natural filtration process, what we call cold crashing, where any solids in solution are allowed to settle out to the bottom of the tank just from um, from virtue of the temperature. Um, and this sort of slow cold lagering process really allows the flavours to meld together. It allows any heat from the ABV and the alcohol content to um, settle down and, and become much more smooth and much less. Uh, aggressive or hot. Um, and then after bottling, the beer is lagered again in bottles, um, much uh, warmer, uh, sort of closer to fridge temperatures, around um, about the seven or eight degrees C mark, I think. Um, and this sort of refrigerated lagering process in bottle takes six weeks, so it really is a slow process of maturation to get this very eminently drinkable dry and crisp strong ale which is so uh, beautifully pale and, and looks fantastic um, in the glass in front of me currently we've got this sort of very pale yellow almost straw body um, which initially pours beautifully clear but I have been a, a bit of a heathen and tipped the yeast dregs from the bottle into my glass because I don't mind them so we get this sort of subtle haze from the yeast, from the bottle fermentation, and this massive, rocky, um, sort of loose uh, cap of white foam on top with great retention. It persists all the way through the drinking process, um, looks stunning, releases fabulous aroma, um, and Duvel is really known for its foam stand um, as a as a sort of visual indicator Um and especially if you pour a duvel into the traditional um, 1960s mm, duvel tulip glass, it is a fantastic thing to look at. and I would say pour vigorously, take your time um, and allow the foam to to um, do its thing. So how does it taste then? The uh, nose is subtly spicy, sort of white pepper and hints of nutmeg. There's a beautiful pear ester, almost sweet like poached pear. Hints of golden, delicious apple. There's a little underripe banana or like banana skin character. Um, not really leaning into that sweet isoamyl acetate ester that we get in our Belgian wheat beers. Uh, sorry, German wheat beers, Weizens, I should say. Um, it's it's a much more uh, green. Uh, sort of ester character than that much brighter much fresher but still very very fruity there's a little sort of floral perfumey note as well possibly from the Saz hops and under all that there's a sort of cereal um lightly grainy uh, malt characteristic as well on the nose super complex um it just begs you to to drink it so I'm going to resist no longer and tell you how the palate is. The carbonation is super lively Um, it's effervescent it's prickly and you almost get this little carbonic bite of of bitterness from the, the high carbonation. These can be carbonated upwards of four volumes of CO2 which is kind of double your standard craft beer in terms of carbonation Um, and these little stubby bottles are built very sturdily to withstand the internal pressure as they carbonate up during secondary fermentation. The mouthfeel after the prickliness of the carbonation subsides is sort of very full and almost oily slick on the finish, Um, but again the carbonation comes back and it, it finishes super dry, there's no sort of residual sweetness, there's no cloying stickiness, um, which is remarkable given the high alcohol, the 8.5%. Um, it, it really does finish super refreshing um, and m- quite dissimilar to a Belgian triple ale. Um, for me, the drinking experience is almost closer to like a German Pils in terms of carbonation, refreshment, um, the the quality of the the texture of the beer on the palate. The flavours then are... This beautiful marriage of fruity and lightly spicy yeast um, and fermentation character with um, a beautifully perfumed hop flavour and a really kind of snappy bitterness on the finish, which you just don't get in many other um, Belgian ale styles, except perhaps some Saison, certainly. Um, But if we compare this to Pale Abbey ales like... The Enkel or the Single, or the Patters beer, um, the Belgian Triple, certainly, um, and Blondales. Um, this really is is a, a different beast with the kind of snappiness and briskness of of the hop characteristic on the finish. Um, it, it's not quite as austere or pointed as a Belgian, a German Pilsner or, or, or um, any of those sort of North German lagers. Um, it, it's much more rounded, much more complex and much more yeast-forward, but the hop character is really, for me, what sets this beer apart and makes it a style um, which is, is pretty incomparable to anything else. Um, in terms of food pairing, uh, this is one of my favourite um, beers to pair with food. Um, the Bright Carbonation and the sort of moussey texture of the foam um with the fruitiness from the yeast gives it almost a champagne-like quality so it's fantastic as an aperitif before a meal it pairs up beautifully with sort of finger food and snacks like uh, various cheese and crackers um specifically with cheese i would i would definitely pair it with anything quite decadent and creamy like a kind of triple cream brie um i think it would go beautifully with young fresh goat's cheese Um, that sort of creamy texture is going to be beautifully rinsed off the palate by the the carbonation and the effervescent bubbles. Um, But the paleness, the lightness and the dryness are not actually going to overwhelm those um, slightly more nuanced and and fresh young cheeses in a way that most high ABV beers would. Similarly, the um, the pear and apple esters from the east are going to work beautifully with um, sort of fruity sharp cheeses like well-aged cheddars or hard Italian cheeses like Pecorino Romano or um, Parmigiano Reggiano. So I think um, it's very versatile with a cheese board. Um, you could almost just have this beer with a whole cheese board and it would work in different ways with almost anything. Um, the only potential clashes I can imagine um, would be the, the bitterness from the hops possibly um, working against any particularly ripe, soft cheeses like a Camembert I wouldn't necessarily recommend that. Um, And some blue cheeses as well um, with an aggressive funk to them like maybe a Rochefort um, might find some um, kind of uh, clashing qualities with uh, the hot profile in the Duvel. So um, perhaps avoid the blues and the stinky soft cheeses. Um, But I think most hard cheeses um, and certainly things like goats and brie would be fantastic with this um it works beautifully again with um sort of salty cured meats and um, prosciutto crudo and, and salamis and those kind of things um iberico ham um with crackers and um duvel is just actually making me salivate right now um in terms of kind of main meals if we're getting really stuck in um it would be fantastic with salads Um, I think any salads using sort of bitter bright greens like um, rocket or radicchio, um, it would be fantastic with those. Um, It works really well with a lot of um, Asian cuisines, Thai curries with Duval. I mean the lemongrass, the galangal and the ginger in those sort of curry bases um, with the bright Um, sort of perfumey hop character and the fruitiness of the yeast is just fantastic Um, just be aware that the carbonation and the bitterness in the beer will accentuate spice so if it's a really fiery Thai curry with lots of bird's eye chilli, if it's a very kind of spicy um, Malaysian or Indian dish, just be aware that um, this beer is really going to turn the spice up to 11 with the sort of heightening um, effects of the carbonation and the bitterness um, I think this beer also works beautifully with a lot of seafood. Um, oily fish is going to um, really be cut through by the carbonation and the bitterness in this beer. Um, seared salmon, um, monkfish uh, would be fantastic with Duvel. Um Equally, uh, something with a bit of salt in it, if you think um, pan-seared scallops with chorizo, or scallops with bacon, um, that is a beautiful flavor combo in and of itself. But when you add in the duvel, um, with all the the kind of bitterness and cutting power of the effervescence to to really um, balance the saltiness in that dish, um, but with the nuance and the and the subtlety of flavor to still resonate with with the fish flavors of the scallops, I think um, that's a marriage made in heaven. Um, this could also work really nicely with fruit based desserts. I think um, poached pears in rum with Duvel would be fantastic. I think apple crumble um, would have a beautiful resonance. The butteriness of the crumble um, with the slight oily slickness of the mouthfeel and the um, sort of apple and pear esters from the yeast would be delicious. Um, I think also uh, anything with uh, sort of dried fruit character. Um, It sounds a little bit odd, but something like uh, Christmas cake or plum pudding uh, with Duvel is a really interesting pairing. Um, The kind of booze-soaked nature of those needs a sort of boozy and big beer to stand up to it, and this does the job. um, But without the slightly obvious pairing of a dark, strong beer, like a quadruple, a double, um, a scotch ale... Um, Those beers deliver all the dried fruit and candied peel that you want to go with your plum pudding or or your Christmas cake or your um, stolen or whatever. Um, But I think Duvel kind of pulls out some of the brighter characteristics, um, sort of candied lemon peel and fresh tangerine and um, some of those sort of brighter fruit esters. Um, So it just makes for a different eating experience. Um, That's pretty much me for food pairing i could go on but i'm just starting to get starving um talking about it so it's probably time to go and grab some lunch hopefully you've enjoyed that little recap of of the history of duvel it's a fascinating brewery Murcat, with a great story and this beer has become so iconic um as a brand and um they're still releasing really exciting and interesting beers um just last night i had a bottle of the new Duvel 666, um, their 6.66% Blondale, um, which carries a lot of the same delicious yeast flavours and bright hopping as the standard Duvel, but at a slightly more manageable uh, 623 percent alcohol. Um, So if you can get your hands on that, definitely give it a go. Um, Equally uh, incredibly iconic beers in their own right, like Delirium Tremens, in that sort of fabulous white ceramic bottle with the, the pink elephant logo is just a different take on belgian golden strong a little bit less hop forward a little bit more driven by malt and yeast character um but equally as as refreshing and and bright and um easy drinking for the abv as well so if you want to try something um a little bit adventurous a little bit um complex and nuanced with with booze and with layers of of flavour, but that's still refreshing and and drinks well on a summer's day, for example, Um, Belgian Golden Strong Ale is probably what I would recommend for you to try. Uh, Thanks for listening. Um, I do, as always, hope this has been uh, beery interesting, and I'll try and leave less time between this episode and the next. Thanks. Bye show might yeah. be It's another show Just another show. It's Oh another God, show, yeah. another